Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the FT Work and Careers podcast. I'm Emma Jacobs, Work and Careers writer, and joining me today is my colleague Josh Spiro, Acting Transport Correspondent, and Patrick Rowe, Deputy General Counsel at Accenture. Hello to you both. Hello. So we're talking today about foreign postings for LGBT professionals. If I turn to you, Josh, you haven't actually moved overseas yet, but you've got ambitions to move to do a foreign posting. What are some of the issues that might concern you as a gay man? I think if I'm going to be abroad for any particular length of time, it's really important that I'll be able to live openly as a gay man. I'm single at the moment, but I might not be at that point. And it would be really useful to be able to, useful, important, to be able to live with my partner as I would wish. That rules out several places or several regions of the world. Um, I probably wouldn't go to the Middle East, I think, for example. There are other parts, you know, Russia might be quite difficult. Uh, I have a friend who was a diplomat in the Middle East, and he was actually there with his husband in a war zone, as it happened. And it's not entirely clear how he managed it, I think with great discretion. Uh, But as anyone who's met me will know, I'm not terribly discreet. That is true. (laughs) Patrick, you've moved overseas from Australia to the UK, so not a massive cultural leap, I imagine, unless I'm wrong. No, I think, well, I moved over here in 1994, so I think times were certainly different in the UK then, but I think both countries have evolved pretty much the same sort of in terms of being places where you can be whoever you are in in the workplace and in society. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody recently who said that we shouldn't make assumptions that just moving from the UK to another country is the problem. A lot of people have problems in their UK workplace or American and so on. So we shouldn't kind of assume that everything's hunky-dory here. Yeah, I I think that's right. But I think for most organisations in the UK, there's been such a huge focus upon appropriate practices in the workplace. But more importantly, I think a realisation by many companies that and organisations that you really get the best out of your people if they can really bring their whole selves to work. Many um, gay people will be familiar with the pronoun game, I'll put it that way, where you sort of edit your behaviour and you're reluctant because you, you don't feel you can be yourself in the workplace and that just is an emotional cost upon you. And why would any sensible employer want that much of an employee's energy to be directed towards hiding themselves or obscuring themselves in some way. What are the issues that come up for LGBT staff who are thinking of moving overseas? Well, I think it's all about, and Josh referred to this, it's all about the location. I think the first thing to do is just to really make sure that our employees feel very empowered to understand the local context and that we support them to be informed and to make career choices as well. How we do that is we monitor a lot of information from different global sources and we make those reports available to our people um, so that they can see what are the uh, what's the local laws what are the cultural attitudes towards lgbt people in that location and also what are the risk mitigation strategies you need to 
to put in place. And I think our objective is to make sure that the risk is really assessed, that the pe- person goes into any assignment with their eyes wide open. Um, and if they choose not to travel for good reasons, that, that is perfectly fine as well, but their career shouldn't be impacted. And you know, we've got a couple of examples, say, of you know, an employee in South Africa who decided not to go on a travel assignment to Nigeria because of concerns about safety, but there are other examples as well. So they're, they're, that's the more formal steps, but I think other thing, another thing we do is we have a very um, vibrant um, LGBT community within Accenture. It's called Pride at Accenture. And, and through that network and an associated Facebook group, we do a lot of informal sharing. What's your perception of, of life? Are you, the, are the you saying this is the best place to go for recommendations of the top gay bars in, in you know, Malaysia <laughs> or, or Tel Aviv? Actually, on that topic, I spoke to no. somebody that said that is an important point, the difference between the legal framework and the on-the-ground culture. I mean, I spoke to somebody who said that they'd been to Nigeria and before they went, they had a look at Grinder, not set a hookup in advance, but just to see what was going on, really, and to see that there was life beyond the laws. Well, the, the problem with that can be that there have been reports of entrapment mm. as well. You can see that there are people on there, but in various countries I've heard of, some people are, are you know, invited out to something and then arrested or beaten. So it can, it can be difficult. To go back to the role of, of the corporation for a second, I think in Singapore a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, there was a gay pride parade which the Singapore government tried to stop but various corporations refused to pull out. Um, I can't remember which ones, but they refused to pull out and supported it, which actually makes quite a powerful statement for what companies can do for their gay employees, and gay LGBT mm. plus employees. It's quite a powerful statement. I think there's a lot that corporates can do at global level to set out their position around equality. So, for example, there, you might be familiar with the, the recent UN corporate standards on tackling LGBTI discrimination. Many organisations, including our own, have signed up to that. And what those standards ask you to do is, well, number one, there's a statement about what you, what you believe in, but also to, within the context of each geography, how can you seek to influence the advancement of um, elimination of discrimination? For a LGBT professional at the start of their career, there are assumptions on both sides that A, they might not be able to go to places that actually with a bit of help they might actually be able to be posted to, but also on the employer's side that somebody might not want to be posted to a particular country. Is that an issue? People are sort of self-censoring before they've even had the conversation. I mean, number one, you've got to create the environment where a person does feel comfortable to even have the conversation because for all people there can be a constant process of just coming out all the time and it can get a bit exhausting. Mm. So number one, you need to feel, I can have this conversation. Um, Number two, when they actually have the courage to have the conversation, it's got to be received in the right way and and, it's not fair to have assumptions about just because a person's single or gay doesn't mean they're uh, more willing to travel or more mobile than others because they of course have their family connections, they may have a partner. Somebody I spoke to who moved overseas, the HR person that they initially had the conversation with didn't even ask about their partner um, and he'd been in a relationship for a very long time. It was his feeling that they weren't taking it seriously. I think we do a good job of encouraging people to have the conversation in the first place. So this is my, these are my circumstances mm. because unless you know the detail, then you can't be creative. 
we would have examples, you know, we're a big organisation of um, examples of people being able to move and HR having having the discussion as well. Because, because we've got to, we've got to, we've got to look after people. We've got to be um, human towards our people as well. I mean, I think it's good. Uh, I mean, somebody else I spoke to said that it was good practice, really, for um, line managers and HR managers to just assume that not everybody is a straight white male, um, and that then you can start having conversations with a whole myriad of people in your company. And that would seem to be a better starting point. And not to treat, as you say, um, the straight white man as default person. Um, I've seen that in the media. Um, Some people, some white male columnists think everyone else is just a variation on them. And I think that you're right in the workplace. That also needs not to be the case, even if the majority of your employees are straight white men. And and lastly, have you got any tips for employers uh, that could make a change in terms of relocating LGBT executives? I, I think the first step is you, you've really got to set the right right tone about what is it, how inclusive really is our organisation. So we really want you to encu- encourage you to talk about yourself because it's only if you, you are talking about yourself that you can have uh, you know these honest conversations about the fears that you have about moving to a different location. I think my principal fear is livability, and that includes a lot of things. It doesn't obviously, probably overridingly includes being openly gay, but it also includes things like easy access to opera houses. You know, I'm quite picky. <laughs> That's it. Many thanks to Patrick Rowe and Josh Spiro, and to the producer Patricia Nielsen. 